We are going to do something a little bit uh, different today because we have a guest speaker. And this particular guest speaker, I have known him all of his life. In fact, he's like a brother to me. In fact, he is a brother to me, and uh, my brother Ben is going to be preaching today, and um, if Ben, for a lot of you guys, doesn't need an introduction, but for those of you guys who don't know, uh, Ben and Lydia have been with us since day one of Journey Church and has been with us ever since. Some of you guys have been with us for a long time, right? A long time. Uh, I'm looking around at different people. I see Bob and Donna. You guys have been with us since 2008, I believe. And uh, I did Bob and Donna's wedding. And it's just like, you know, just so much history. And, uh, but, but they've been with us since day one and have watched all of this. And, and uh, they led the Journey Kids ministry for the first 12 or 13 years and poured in. Many of your kids they've pastored and discipled and poured into over the years and um, so many, so many things that God has used them in in different ways and that he continues to do that. But Ben came to me, uh, I don't know, it was a few weeks ago, several weeks ago, and said he had a message on his heart. And it was really burden, it had a burden, uh, specific burden to be able to speak some things that were truth. And sometimes they're strong things to hear, but I was like, well, I guess you've earned that right to be able to speak. And so would you give Ben a big hand as he comes and shares what God has put on his heart? All right. I expected, uh, here's my brother, come on up. So I got a lot better than that. Okay. <laughs> uh, so um, I just wanted to start out by saying, uh, I know a lot of you guys, my last name is Phillips, so you think I've probably done this a hundred times. Well, this is the first time besides last night that I've done all of main service. So, um, and be honest, it's something as I was growing up, it's something one, I thought I'd never do, but two, wasn't really interested in doing. I love God. I grew up, you know, Sean talks about the story of when he was 12 years old that he felt called to full-time ministry. Well, I grew up in that same environment and really didn't feel that same call, you know, and not that I was against it, but I just didn't feel that same call. And on my mind, even just, I mean, tell you a story on myself, my mind was other places when I was 12 years old. I was even thinking about making money. We, uh, we lived in a small town, 400 people, there's no gas station, no grocery store, no nothing like that. I knew my mom went to the grocery store once a week. And so what I would do, because my dad had us working at 12 years old in the summer, yes, it happened. But what I would do, I would send $3 with my mom, and I'd say, I'll take a 24-pack of Mountain Dew, which was for me. And then I would send another $3 with my mom, and I would say, get whatever dad's favorite is. And you'll know why here in a second. But So dad, he would work construction. Like I said, there's no place you can buy a can of pop in town. And dad would work construction. He'd come home, take a shower. He'd eat. He'd plop down on the couch. And dad would say, man, a can of pop sounds good. And I'd walk out of my bedroom with dad's favorite. And I'd say, right here, 50 cents. 50 cents. So you do the math. I made some money off that deal. But okay. <clears throat> but I say all that, just a funny story to say up front that my mind wasn't to be in ministry. Even growing up in the house I did, I really kind of felt like I was going a different direction. And I have. I've been self-employed for 20 years. But I just want to challenge you guys that if you guys make yourself available to God, God's going to use you in, in ways you never thought. And God will use you in a lot of different things. We just have to create space for God to do it. So yes, I'm doing something I didn't think I was going to do. But So we're going to get started into the message, but let's pray real quick. God, we thank you for today. 
I thank you, God, for an opportunity to speak. I pray, God, that your words would be said and that the people would receive it in the way you want it heard, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I did notice last night maybe my message is a little serious, but it is what it is. Like Sean said, I felt something. I believe God laid something on my heart. He dropped a phrase in my spirit at the end of last year. And the phrase was simply, live it. I mean, sorry. The phrase was, finish strong and pass it on. And so I had to wrestle with that. Finish strong and pass it on. And so as I started to unpack what that meant for me, I thought it was just for me. But uh, we were, the first part, you know, it's, it's two parts. Finish strong and pass it on. And the first part, the finish strong part, we were, you know, life's full of seasons. And we were kind of going through a lot of change season in my house. We started the year with four kids in the house. We ended the year by September 3rd. We had one. And so we went through a lot of change in our life in that season. And God was just dealing with us to, to finish the season. You know, in kind of a raising kids in the house for us, that season was ending. You know, we're still their parents, but that season was about to end. And we were sending them out. And so God was really dealing with me about it matters how we finish our seasons. And we, we all go through different seasons. We all go through different seasons. Some we control, some we don't. I didn't control that one. They all fell in love and got married, so whatever. But we all find ourselves in different seasons. But no matter what season we're going through, we have to trust God in it and that God has a plan for it. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. So like I said, we don't control everything we go through. We don't control the seasons. We, uh, we sometimes find ourselves in awesome seasons, great seasons, thriving seasons. And I know that God wants to use those times to still develop something in us. We should be preparing for something next. It's not just to enjoy life and coast, but God wants to use those seasons to do something in our life. We may find ourselves in maybe a not-so-healthy season. Some of us have been there. 2019, I found myself in one of these seasons. I was <clears throat> just... Living life, you know, maybe I had a few symptoms of something, but we're guys, we don't go to the doctors for nothing, right? And so, but I was laying in bed one night, and I believe God spoke to me, and he said, you need to get your body checked out. And I'm like, oh, you know, now I've got to go to the doctor. So I knew enough that if I heard that, I need to go get something checked out. And so I, we had a trip planned and all that, and I did the trip, and I came back, and, and I, I lined it up. You know, the uncomfortable thing of going to the doctor's. So I went to the doctors, and the doctor, even the first glance thing, and he said, no, everything's okay. okay. And I, I wasn't doubting that I was healed, but I knew what I heard, and I said, no, I think you need to investigate a little more. And so he did. He did some other checks and stuff, and, and I just sit in the office and wait because he wanted to send me on home. And I said, no, I, in my mind, I'm saying I know what I heard, you know. And the guy he ended up telling me, of course, you have to wait the weekend before they tell you the news, because that's how it always works. But on Monday morning, they, I, I went in, and he said, yes, I'm glad we did all the checks. You have cancer. And I was like, okay. you know. So we're going through seasons. We find ourselves in hard seasons sometimes. I'll be honest, for me, the cancer thing, and I know that's not everybody's experience, but for me, it was a quick walkthrough. It was, I found out on Monday, Thursday, it was out of me. And, of course, you have the two and a half years after of all the checks and scans and all that stuff. But God, God works on us in that season. We have a tendency to want to collapse in fear. You know, Sean's talking about fear. We have a tendency to, to let those things become our identity, and that's what drives us as we walk through life for that next two years. 
And that's not God's plan. God wants to have you walk through those seasons in a healthy way. You may be in, you know, like I said, a blessed season or a not-so-blessed season. I've, I've been on both sides of this. <clears throat> Just a quick story. It's a funny story now. It wasn't funny in the moment. But in 2004, we had four young kids. I think the youngest was four. The oldest was five. I had a construction crew framing houses. And I believe God told me, he said, uh, he said, you're supposed to move to Colorado. I had no connection to Colorado other than family vacations, and I like the mountains. That's it. I didn't know anybody, no job, nothing like that. So we set it up a couple months. I think I was 25 at the time. Young kids, no plan, really. And so we set it up. I moved out there. We were in a poor financially season of our life. I would say money was tight, but you got to have some money for it to be tight, and we didn't even have that, okay? So it was really tight, really tight. And so we moved out there, and, you know, this tells you how tight it was. I had a 30-gallon tank of gas in my truck. I'd been driving it on E for a long time, and the only thing I could find, I found three quarters. So I go to the gas station, and I go in and pay with three quarters because that's all the money I had. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It was tight. We find ourselves in tough seasons sometimes. But I think, well, I know, God uses those seasons to build something in you so you're prepared for the next thing. And God used that season. It wasn't, I mean, I moved home about a year later after I moved out there. I got the okay to move home. I didn't even know why I moved out there. I did find a job eventually, building houses. But when I moved home, it took me two or three years after I was home to realize why God planted me out there. And it was to get some priorities straight that God couldn't do that in me here because I was too prideful. And he had to separate me in a different season and separate me away from people that I was comfortable with and that I would hide things with. So there's a lot of different seasons we go through, and I think it's very important how we go through them because God's watching. God's watching how we go through seasons. Some of you guys are in a season of, you know, you're waiting for something. You're waiting for a promotion at work or whatever it might be. And you're asking God, why don't you bless me with that? And God is watching how you're in the current season you're in. We don't get to get out of certain seasons sometimes until we pass the test of the one we're in. And God's watching. You may say, God, I'm believing for a promotion. And if you're honest with yourself, when you started your job, you were there early. You did everything. You did everything the boss wanted and then some. You were very diligent at everything you did. And now you've been at your job for five years and you're ready for that promotion. But if you would look back at how you're handling your job now, you know enough to get the job done. But there's probably a lot of things that you're slacking on because you know enough that you can get what you can get by with and what you can't. And that's the kind of stuff that God watches as we walk through seasons. And he says, are they still walking with integrity the way they did it from the beginning? And then they're asking for a promotion. And so sometimes, like I said, it really matters how we walk through seasons. You may find yourself in a lonely season. We've all been there. You may find yourself in a, I don't feel like I'm noticed season. How many of you guys have been in that one? I've been in that one. We think nothing we do matters. Well, it really does matter how we walk out those seasons of our life. You may tell, or God may ask you the question, you're saying, I want to be noticed, and God shoots back a question to you and says, well, are you doing stuff where you're not noticed? You know, are you serving in children's church? Are you... You know, whatever it might be, doing all this stuff, the right things. Are you doing the right things and, and you're not being noticed? And most of us could say, yes, I'm doing the right things. 
And then God fires back one more question at us and says, are you okay with that until I'm ready to bring you up? We, want, we don't trust God's timing. God wants to do things in us, but we have to trust God's timing. And it really matters how we go through seasons. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the first part of the seasons. I'm going to hit the pass it on part. Finish strong and pass it on. The pass it on, which I believe is bringing other people along with us in this thing, the Christian walk. We're supposed to pass on Jesus to the people around us. And I just wonder how much we value that. How much do we value passing Jesus on to others? And let me ask this. If I told you, I used to use this in church, Sean said I did children's church. If I told you, hey guys, go out this week and everybody that you guys, I want you to invite people to church. Everybody you invite to church, whoever you bring next week and yourself, Bill Gates or Warren Buffett, any of those big guys, they're going to write you and everyone you bring a check for a million dollars. How many people would we have at church next week? A bunch. Why? Because we value what we would be getting, and we value the benefit of what our friends around us could gain from coming to this thing. And so that's what I ask. Do we value passing Jesus on to other people? The Bible says in Romans, it's a message version. I don't even know how I found it. It popped up on my phone. Uh, it said, Romans 1.5, Through him we have received both the generous gift of his life and the urgent task of passing it on to others who receive it by entering into obedient trust in Jesus. And the part I want to highlight there is the urgent task. Do we live our life with an urgent task? I wrestled with this myself. I didn't hardly invite anybody to church for Christmas. And God really convicted me about that. I was like, why didn't I do that? So Easter, I tried to fan a bunch of those things out. But I'm just saying, I just was convicted that do I have an urgent task? Do we believe that we're living in a way that other people need to hear? And so I know that's not fun to say, I mean, fun to hear, but it's just it's a, something that should cause us to think. Are we spreading Jesus to other people around us? And I'm just going to go real quick into three different places. There's a lot of places I believe God wants to use us to spread Jesus. But the first place is the workplace. How many of you guys have a job? All right, keep your hands up because we're going we're to see, see if somebody can beat last night. But how many of you have a job? You got a job. So how many of you worked at that job for six months or longer? Keep your hand up. That's most of us, I would think, unless you're a teenager. Uh, how many of you guys have worked at your job two years or longer? Okay. I'm trying to see four years or longer. Five, ten, starting to drop. Fifteen, I feel like an auctioneer. Uh, Twenty, they're still going. Twenty-five, twenty-five, thirty. Uh, how many do I, I'm seeing? I think there's only one right there in the back. You get the prize. We have no idea what it is, but you get the prize. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we all have jobs, okay? We've got jobs. But let me ask you this. How many people that you come in contact, you've been working at your job for a long time. The guy last night, after I talked to him afterwards, he said 44 years he's been working at his job. That's a long time. That's, I'm 43, so that's a long time. But uh, how many of us would say at our job, if we've worked there for a decent amount of time, the people we come in contact with, would those people say about us, there's something different about that person? There's something different. They handle things different. They... They don't talk bad about people or the boss when he's not here. They show up on time. 
They don't take an extra long lunch depending on who's in the office when they come back. Are we walking with integrity at our jobs? And God wants to use us. Would people say, take a step further, would people say, that guy or girl is 100%, they say they're, they're a Christ follower. They are a Christian. They may not understand everything that that means, but would those people say that about you in your environment? Or do we come to church on Sunday and then we go out there and nobody really understands what we say is the core of who we are? What we say is the core of who we are. So God wants to use us, but we have to act the right way at work. It has to be something that is inside of us and it comes out of us. You know, I told you I build houses for a living, and I said this last time, I don't, I don't remodel, so we're not looking for work, but uh, I, do, I do build houses for a living, and we do inspections, believe it or not, and I was walking through a house with an inspector, just to give you an example of how God wants to use you at work for me. I was walking through a house, and we were done getting ready to walk out the garage door, and the guy just shoots out, he was standing right over here behind me, and he says, what do you think happens when we die? And I was kind of caught off guard. I was not thinking about that at all. And I just looked at him and I said, do you really want to know my opinion? And he said, yes, I do. And so I got to talk to that guy for 40 minutes about the gospel. And every inspection after that, we just picked up that conversation. And, you know, I didn't get to lead that guy to God yet, but I did get to plant a lot of seed. And I think there's so many opportunities for you guys in your workplace if you live a life with integrity and the God way, and you ask God, like Sean says, you say, God, what are you doing here, and how can I be a part? I believe God has so many opportunities for us at work. So many. And then I'm going to move into the next one. And it's the number two is the everyday life. You guys might say, well, I don't have a job. I think Shaylin was laughing. Uh, you might say, I don't have a job. Or I only work around Christians, because I've heard that one before, too. First of all, Christians need us to spread God to them too. We need that with fellow believers. So that doesn't get us off the hook. But if you say, I don't have a job or, you know, I'm just not around that many people to do. Well, we have to be a little more intentional. But it doesn't mean God can't still use us. He wants to use us. And it may be you're walking through the grocery store and somebody's kids are disastrous, throwing stuff everywhere. And you just simply go by and help them pick that stuff up and you look that mom or dad in the face and you say, you know what, it's going to be all right. Life's going to be okay. You're doing great. And you just, you never know what effect you have on somebody by just simply stepping out of your comfort zone to speak into somebody else's life. It may be a waiting room. 20 years ago, what did we do if we sat at an oil change or doctor's office or something? We would just sit there and grab whatever magazine that had been on that stand for 30 years and we'd flip through it for no apparent reason. Or we would just stare at a picture on the wall awkwardly for a while, which was probably what I did. Or there's always somebody in the room that wants to talk to everybody, and you just on purpose did not make eye contact with that person. <laughs> right. That was not me. That was, yeah, that's AJ, I guess. So what do we do now if we're in any sort of sitting for longer than 30 seconds? Pull out our phone. And guys, we're stopping opportunities that God says, hey, there's people around you in your everyday life that I want you to reach out to. I want you to pour into. And God will bring, just like that guy, I didn't ask that guy to ask that question. God set that up. That wasn't me. 
There's a lot of times at work I've missed it where I felt like I was supposed to do things and I didn't follow through with it. And then I have to repent and ask God to do it again, bring that next opportunity. But I think it's the same thing for all of us. If we're truly looking for opportunities, God wants to use us in everyday life. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time with it, but I'm just saying look for opportunities. They're there, but we have to have our eyes. We can't have our eyes on our phone all the time or just thinking about the next thing we're supposed to do. God has a plan for us, but we have to look for it. Okay, and then the last area, we're not quite done. It's not going that quick. But the last area that I want to talk about, and this is why I asked for my sermon to be on Family Sunday, because the last area is the one I really want to focus on, and it's our families. God has put people in your house, and our number one task is to bring those people up to bring those people up in the way of the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And I know we take that a lot for money. We use that verse a lot for money. But I believe it's so much more applicable if you put a spiritual inheritance in front of that, not a money. You, it's great if your kids get both. They're going to say hallelujah. But if, they got, if you've got to choose between one or the other, we better nail the spiritual inheritance. Because that is our job as parents. And I say this, and I say that it's, it's very hard. You would think it, the kids are in your house all the time. This should be an easy thing, right? It's not. It's a very hard thing to do to pass on a true spiritual inheritance to your children, let alone their children. It's not going to happen by accident. The Bible does say in Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way they should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. It says train a child, not tell a child. Train a child means we have work to do. If you go to training, you have work to do. And so it's going to take some work. We're not going to, like Sean always talks about drifting. We are not, if our families are drifting through life, we're not going to drift into leaving a spiritual inheritance to our children. It's just not going to happen. We have to be very, very on purpose. And I'm going to give you just a few areas, I believe, that will greatly increase your chances of passing this thing on to your kids. There's a lot of ways that I'm not saying, I'm sure, but I'm just giving you a few areas. And there's a lot of kids in here. For the first one, you may want to plug your ears. Kids. No, I'm kidding. But the first area is parents. You kids do need to hear this, but it's discipline your kids. I'm telling you, if you would do the hard work when they're young, you know, like I said, we, I have four kids, and when they were teenagers, people would ask the age of my kids, and I would say, oh, I got four teenagers. And the general response I would get was, I'm sorry. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that way. I know that's, it's trouble sometimes. But I'm telling you, if you still have young kids in the house, this is the time. Do the hard work now. And when you get to that stage, the foundation has been laid, and it's not so difficult. So stay on them now. It, you think it's funny and all that, or you just don't want to put the work in to deal with a kid that's flopping on the ground or throwing a fit. Or If your kids run the house, I personally believe you are decreasing your chances for passing a spiritual inheritance onto your kids because they are understanding that the world revolves around me. And that's not the truth. It shouldn't be the truth. It should not be. It may be the truth in America the way we live, but it doesn't have to be the truth. So number one is discipline your kids. It's a big one. It's a hard one. And we were spanked as kids. I spanked my kids. 
I know that's not very popular today, and so if that's not for you, you find something that works for you that you're comfortable with, and you be very consistent at it. Very consistent. God, I mean, I think the purpose is to be consistent. Whatever you choose, whatever form you choose, and it changes as they get older. But I'm just saying, you have to be consistent in this area of disciplining your kids, or you're starting the foundation off, I believe, with cracking it. It's not going to work very well. So I'm going to move into number two. Number two, where are we at? Number two, the way to increase your chances of passing in spiritual inheritance onto your kids. And first of all, I just want to say this before I go too far. If you say, you know, I really wasn't saved when my kids were that age, when my kids were in the house even. Well, that doesn't mean God doesn't have a plan for you from today. God always has a plan from where we are today. And he will, he will, if our plan was jacked before, he'll start a new one if we're willing to walk it out. And so if we, if we say, that's us, I, haven't, I didn't have that kind of chance. I, that chance has passed me by. That's okay. God is going to use you for today. Set, set high standards where you're at now and continue in a different way to bump your kids into God. And he still wants to use you as the parent in their life to help push them towards God. He really does. It's not too late. It's just going to look different. But number two, God has to be real in your heart. We can't say one thing to our kids or even people at work. You can tie it into your life, period. But we can't say one thing and live another and expect to pass on something that people really want. Because one thing teenagers or your coworkers or anybody around you, what they can sense is fake. They sense it really quick. The Bible does talk about you either be hot or cold, and they would rather you be one or the other. And so people are like that too. People might say you're that weird Jesus guy, but they're going to respect you more if you're that all the way. And you're not there on Sunday morning, and then you're like them when you're Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So we have to, uh, God's got to be real. It can't be something, like I said, it can't be tell your kids how to live a Christian life. Like I said, I build houses. If I said, if I told you how to build a house, you're going to go try and it's probably not going to work. But if you came alongside with me and you, you walk day by day by day and you learn and you were trained how to build it, it's going to be something that lasts. And so it's the same way with raising our kids. We can't just speak it. We have to train it. And it's got to be real in your heart. So challenge yourself. Am I living this thing for real? Is this something real inside of me? Because that's where it's going to start. Because your kids are going to follow your example. You're leading one way or the other. Your kids are going to follow the example. Um, let's see. Number, well, I don't have numbers, so whatever. The, this one here. Uh, we have to be okay looking different than the way everyone else does things. The Bible says in Romans 12 too, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what is the will of God, what is acceptable and perfect. So what am I saying? I'm saying to pass on a spiritual inheritance to your kids or even people around you. You're going to have to be okay with saying no to some things that everyone else says yes to. This is a very sore topic in the world today. I'm not going to fill in the blank for you and your family, but I'm just saying if there is something that is taking the place of God and you know you give that its place, and it has a higher place than, I'm even going to bring this up, and Sean didn't tell me to say it, Sunday morning, church. 
If there's something in your life that constantly takes the place, it can be Saturday, we're not religious with it, but I'm saying if there's something in your life that constantly takes the place of God's house as a family, and that is not viewed high, high priority, and I know you would say, can you be saved? Yes, you can be saved and not go to church. I think you're missing out on a lot of things if you don't. But I'm saying, I don't view it as can I or can't I. But I'm saying, I think I've, Sean said it enough, that something like that, if our attendance at church as a family is not there, I believe it should be a check engine light and it should just be a warning. It doesn't have to mean your engine's about to blow up, but it means that something might not be right. There's something God may not be priority. Not all the time, but God may not be the priority that we say he is. And so we have to be okay with saying no. Uh, and this, I drove by again. I said it last night, but I drove by, I live out north, and I drive past Liberty North High School in the mornings. And today, again, Sunday morning, parking lot of Liberty High School was packed. And we came in at 7.50, packed, packed. And there's just something about that that kind of sets me off. Because 20 years ago, you would not have seen that. But the culture in America has switched that we don't respect the house of God. And so, like I said, Sean didn't tell me to say it, but I'm just saying there's something that has switched in our culture, and we're okay because we feel a responsibility as parents to do the things everybody else says they got to do. And I'm just telling you, I just, maybe this, is a, this will help you. It's not your job as Christian parents to entertain your kids. That is not your job description. It's not your job to keep them busy to make sure they're not bored, to all that stuff. Your job, number one, is to make sure that God is number one. Everything else should come after that. And so you can't do the same thing everybody else does and get a different result. It's not going to happen. God has a way, but it has to be his way. So I know that one went over great, but, um, but here's, here's the next one. And it is my final one, so we're getting close. But uh, we don't compromise for what's easy. We have to stand firm for what's godly. And this, to me, is kind of like the one I just talked about. But we don't compromise for what the world says is okay. We have to have high standards in our house. Growing up in the Gary Phillips family with five boys, we couldn't watch Scooby-Doo. How many of you guys know what Scooby-Doo is? Okay, a lot of you. All right. Scooby-Doo. Is there anything wrong with Scooby-Doo? No, not really. The kid says, no, no, no. But I'm telling you, and I, I've never, I've never, we didn't get to watch Wizard of Oz. <laughs> to be honest, I still haven't seen it, whoever said that, but, and I don't really care, but, uh, but I'm saying, what were my parents doing? They were guarding, they were over-guarding our foundation. And, you know, like I said, Lydia and I, we have three, four kids, three girls. We did not let them watch the Disney movies that were lovey-dovey when they were, oh my gosh, yeah, they were, we didn't let them do that because I didn't want their emotions to get wrapped up in all that junk at an early age. Are Disney movies fine? For the most part, yes. But I was overly guarding their emotions 
and what they were seeing, what they were having to deal with. I call it, like I said, I build houses. I was trying to let some of their foundation get solid before we put the weight of the world on them. They're going to experience it. They're going to experience it. But I'm trying to get that foundation rock solid before we start building things up on top of it. And so we have to be... We have to be set high standards. I still don't watch rated R movies. We never have in our house. That's not, if that's not your conviction, that's fine. But I have set that standard in our house. We don't watch rated R movies. Growing up in the 90s, some of you guys will get this. You don't know how many times, because haven't, I haven't watched rated R movies my whole life. I don't know how many times I heard, well, there was some great movie I need to see that Mel Gibson just put out. I have no idea. It was Braveheart or all these movies that I have not seen. Patriot, I think. I don't know what they are, but there's so many movies that everybody thought you need to see. But we just set that standard. And that's still, my kids, they're, like I said, three of them are out of the house. They can do what they want. But when we were at our house, and a lot of the PG-13 are junk anyway, but, but there was, uh, we just set high standards on purpose because we were overly guarding what we were trying to produce in them. And some of it is overly guarding. I'm not saying it's not. But we knew it was important enough to us that we were trying to set that high standard. Now, I'm going to say another one, and this one can get mixed results, but when we're trying to do this, standing firm for what's godly, compromising for what's normal, I'm telling you, who your kids hang out with. I don't say necessarily control who your kids hang out with, but I am telling you, we need to encourage our kids to hang out with Christian kids. I'm not saying before all these people get bothered, uh, I'm not saying not to have any unsaved people in their life. They need that. God wants them to have that as an avenue. If they're solid as a Christian, your kid themselves, they should be pouring into unsaved people. They should have people at a certain level of relationship with them. But I'm telling you, their closest friends around them, and I'm saying for adults as well. Guys, this works for us. The Bible talks about it. If your closest, closest friends, the only people you hang out with aren't on fire Christians, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. But for your kids, even more, as they are starting to grow up and to develop their personalities into who they are, that we have to guard who they hang out with. We should be encouraging them to hang out with Christian kids. Like I said, they need to have other people in their life that they're pouring into. But the Bible talks about iron sharpens iron. And they need to be around people to develop. It's still developing that foundation. As they get older, it's just different processes of developing the foundation that God wants to lay in their life. And so then, one more, and there's some teenagers in the room. I would say you guys may want to plug your ears for this one because I would encourage you parents, as your kids begin to date, as they begin to date, uh, like I said, I just had a couple get married, so we just walked this out. But as your kids begin to date, this is how I see a lot of it play out in Christian homes as well. The daughter or son will bring his girlfriend over, and they'll be like, you know, you, you guys ask questions like, oh, well, man, you're just telling me, you guys look good together. You guys look good together. Or when they leave, the boyfriend or girlfriend leaves, you're asking your kid, well, do they make you happy? Do you guys like the same things? That kind of stuff. And guys, we never even bring God into the equation. They're about to make, if they're in a real dating relationship, I'm not talking about junior high, sorry, junior hires, but I'm talking about in a real dating relationship if they're in a real one, they're about ready or could be about ready to make the second biggest decision of their life and who they're going to pair up 
and we're talking about a spiritual inheritance for their children's children. We're talking about a big thing that they're getting ready to hook up with somebody for the rest of their life, and they're going to pass on their version of what God has done in them with somebody else. And we sometimes dumb it down to, well, do you guys look good together? Do you like the same things? All this kind of stuff. We're not even, guys, it should be so high value. I was so, I had such an opinion. My kids were adults, basically, when they were dating. But I had such an opinion of the process of how they dated. I told them, you can do it however you want. But if you want to know my opinion, this is how I think it should be done. And it's not my opinion. It's the God way. And so I'm just telling you, be involved in your kids' lives. Even, I think people quit parenting too early. They think they've done what they do. And then as they get teenagers, they get personality or whatever of their own. And parents just kind of step back. And they just let it happen. And that's not our job. Even when the kids leave the house, that's not our job. God wants to use you, and he's put you in that place for a reason, and he wants to use you in that. So I'm about to wrap up, so I'm going to have the band come back up. But I just want to recap real quick. First of all, for this parenting, my last thing on the parenting, Sean always talks about there's people on the other side of your obedience. And I just want to challenge you parents that... Ask yourself, are you being obedient to parenting the way God wants you to? Because the people on the other side of that obedience, they live and sleep in the room next to you. It is one you should nail. You need to be focused on this because it's not going to happen by drifting. It's not going to happen that way. So to recap, there's seasons we go through in life. Some we control, some we don't. We have to trust God in every season that we're walking through. We really do. And it matters. God's watching how we walk through seasons before, sometimes before he'll give us the stamp of approval to move on to the next one. And it matters how we walk through seasons because people are watching how we walk through seasons. They really are. And so God wants to use you at work. I challenge you this week. I know you're off tomorrow probably. Great. But pray for Tuesday. God, use me this week. Use me in ways that I haven't been looking for. In everyday life, you don't have a job or whatever, or even tomorrow without your job. God wants to use you in everyday life. He really does. And then this area of families. I picked Family Sunday to preach because I wanted to hit that one hard. I probably did. <laughs> but if, you're, if you still have kids in the house or you're a young couple wanting to have kids, then I would just ask you guys to stand up. I want to pray over you real quick. If you've got kids in the house or you're a young couple and you're wanting to have kids. All right, let's pray real quick. God, I just thank you. I thank you, God, for the families that here on Memorial Day, God, they're in church. I thank you, God, that you would help us as a husband and wife to go home this afternoon sometime or sometime this weekend and to have a conversation and to ask you, what am I doing right as raising kids? And God, be honest with ourselves and ask, what are we doing wrong? And then take it a step further and be willing to change whatever God reveals. There's things in all of our lives that we need to change. And God, I just ask that you would do a work, God, that there'd be something different about Journey Church families. God, that there's a group here, God, that I pray that we would try to, we're not going to be perfect parents, but God, we would be on purpose parents. And we would be trying to pass on a spiritual inheritance to not just our kids, but something so strong in our kids that they pass it on to theirs. And God, I pray that with the people even in this room, that we can change a lot. We can change a lot with just the people in this room. And God, I just thank you that you would help that to rest on us. Help us as parents and just people individual to have an urgent task 
The time is shorter than we think of how we affect people in our lives. That we would have an urgent task, God, of passing you on to other people. And we thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen.